This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Zephyr CMS. It's a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. You can find them at ZephyrCMS.com. More about this later in the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Stephen Denny. He's an author, speaker, and consultant who helps emerging and well-established brands define or redefine their competitive positioning. We're going to talk about a book he is a co-author of, uh, recently out called Unfiltered Marketing, Five Rules to Win Back Trust, Credibility, and Customers in a Digitally Distracted World. So welcome back, Stephen. John, it's good to see you again. How are you? Well, an entire decade has passed uh, since we last spoke about your book, Killing Giants. I think you've got more hair than you did back then. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's been a tough tough year. It's been a tough decade. (laughs) It's been a tough year for all people concerned. But uh, challenge makes us stronger, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does indeed. So why do we need unfiltered marketing? Let's just start right there. It's, a, it's it, This has been a fascinating process for me. Um, we started studying the intersection of technology and culture four years ago. And this body of research, uh, my partner at Denny Lineberger Strategy, Paul Lineberger and I, realized that we really needed to have our own trend framework. Mm-hmm. And we went out and began the process of doing several thousand interviews, quantitative study in the U.S. and, and elsewhere. And this was an area of great interest to me, actually sprung from killing giants, believe it or not. Um, But we found that most of the interest, uh, the clients we were working with, were sort of falling into this gap of, tell me something that I don't know about brand loyalty. What's happening with the brand consumer relationship? And we realized that uh, this this technology culture intersection was critically important and, and, and was a blind spot for a lot of brands. So we jumped into this with both feet. And, and now after four years of looking at some of these major macro trends begin to emerge out of the murk and change and, you know, the nuances are kind of popping out, um, we realized that yes, technology has emerged as the single most profound cultural driver in the world today. Yes, it absolutely dictates how we live our lives and how we work, how we, uh, at practically everything but sleep. That's the last frontier for my research at least. Um, and a lot of brands simply weren't getting this. You talk to marketers more often than not about technology and culture, and the conversation immediately devolves into technology stacks. And all the technology in the world isn't going to help you if you miss this critical point that the way we think has changed. Our expectations, our, uh, uh, the definition of trust, our definitions of credibility have shifted because we are as technologically immersed as we are. Those insights are critically important, and that's why we need unfiltered marketing. So is are you suggesting that, that we're being driven to distraction in a way that's killing culture? Um, or are you suggesting more that, that, that marketers or businesses in general have to adopt the culture to the fact that technology is driving a lot of 
how people become customers, how people become employees. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's it's very much a case of saying the culture is adapting to the technology that we have and we use, and the technology is evolving to take advantage of the cultural shifts that are happening. Right, so it's this symbiotic arms race between the technology and our expectations of it. And once we once we look at the brand consumer relationship, once we look at um, our how we manage our personal digital footprints, mm-hmm. all of these things are now putting this consumer market into a different spot. And many marketers are still back in that square one. Yeah regardless of the technology employed. So, I mean, to me, that's the big insight. So I've been doing this for a generation now, (laughs) so I can say these kinds of things. Are we merely pointing out something that happens maybe every generation just with a different set of flavors? I mean, you know, is every, like, passing generation sort of behind the next one coming up, and so then there's this, you know, change in culture, and this is just a different flavor? I would argue, I I won't disagree with what you just said, but I'll add a big caveat. And that's that cultural change is happening faster now than it's happened in previous generations. We don't have to argue about that. Nope. Um, The technological rate of change is moving faster than it has before. and, And essentially all of the rules and all the expectations that we've put around technology uh, aren't able to keep up. Now, <clears throat> there's a big public policy conversation we could have right now if we chose to. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the first chapter of the book, I had a great interview, wonderful conversation with one of the um, uh, investigative journalists on the, at The Intercept, Murtaza Hussain. And we talk about this at length as a great kind of foundation-setting uh, conversation from which we then delve into some of the insights in the book. But what's important for marketers, let's keep it back on that footing, is that if the consumer mindset is shifting quickly, um, we have to be very aware of that. And we have to not only understand where it is, but understand where it's going. And I I mean, I'll give you a quick um, digression here that illustrates the point. Um, Early on in the research, maybe two years ago, when we were just starting to sort of see this framework emerge, we were presenting at a digital marketing confab, private, exclusive, very Tony, you know, you know we, we've all been to these events. <laughs> and the alpha level of, of the digital marketing universe is in this beautiful little ballroom. And we got up and presented and it was... It was a great presentation. We had a lot of interest. A lot of questions came out of it. And we then sat back and watched all of the major technology players get up and talk about their AI-assisted marketing engines and predictive analytics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized about halfway through, everything was devolving to sophisticated ways of getting an email address. (laughs) that's going to go into a folder that I don't check. It's going to go into a Gmail account, a Hotmail account, something, something else. And it's like, we're, I, think, I think there's this, a, an enormous mis, 
you know, disconnect here in terms of where the leaders of this industry are hoping that things are going and the human component. Yeah, and I guess that if we're going to talk about, you know, the speed of change, um, you know, being what it is in the last decade, what has 2020 done to that? Oh, I yeah, mean, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because we can't even call them trends anymore because usually no. we get to ruminate on a trend, you know, and now it's just like, here it is. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, here we are in 2020. Take, take, take COVID as, right. as a not uh, inconsequential <laughs> part of this year. And in, in years past, we've always, a lot of my personal consulting work has been in, Unified communications yeah. has been in endpoints, workspace design, kind of, kind of future of work, and I always sort of couched it in the phrases of um, the increasingly decentralized office, quote unquote. <laughs> right. And now it's mandated, right? It's yeah, dropped yeah. down from above quickly. Everyone go home, and and that you know has accelerated all of this all of this change. But when we look at it again, let's go back to our marketing footing. Once upon a time, as B2B marketers in particular, we were able to go out and visit our customers. Yeah, yeah. We were able to go out and evangelize face-to-face -face with uh, a, an indirect sales force. Everything has become a digital relationship now. Everything. So even if it's a Zoom meeting, yes, we can see each other face-to-face, -face, but it's not face-to-face. Right. Uh, so again, when we when, when we come back to these these fundamental concepts like how has the definition of trust changed? How does credibility change because we are so technologically immersed? The rate of information that we're getting. Mm -hmm. um, again, going back to the first chapter of the book, you know, we, I talked about the killing of Osama bin Laden. Not exactly standard fare for a marketing book, but it sets a tone. And here we are. And if you had Twitter at that moment in history, many of us did. Yeah, uh, I think that was just about the time you were starting your podcast, as a matter of fact, <laughs> right? And and <clears throat> something is happening. Something is going on. You sit down at the dinner table and you fire up Twitter and you know what's happening 45 minutes before the president got on television. Yeah, There you go. Yeah, Something was, has fundamentally changed. And now here we are, what, 15 years later, and it's just been speeding up since then. So a few years ago, four or five years ago at least, um, I was sitting in my kitchen making coffee about 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and all of a sudden there's this rumbling. I live in Kansas City. You know, we don't get earthquakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm not even sure what that was. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, just to your point, that's what brought that up. I immediately went on Twitter and there had been a, uh, uh, an earthquake in Oklahoma, actually, uh, yeah. that, that was felt, you know, 180 miles uh, north. But to, mm -hmm. to your I had I had the you know, exact moment of that. I was like, well, that, you know, it's going to be on Twitter. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> um, it. Uh, we weren't, you know, we weren't doing all this election nonsense. So there was actually stuff on Twitter besides that. <laughs> but uh, you use the concept, I mean, obviously in the title, uh, unfiltered, uh, but then you use the concept of, of raw, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as maybe a, maybe even, maybe even a level beyond unfiltered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, talk about raw just as a concept. Yep. Raw as a concept is, is really the one that gets people leaning forward. Mm -hmm. uh, the first big macro trend that we, came, that we came with from this research that really emerged was what we called seeking control in an out-of-control world. Mm 
I don't think we have to argue whether whether that's really happening or not. We are living in an age of collapsing trust, and uh, and that's manifested itself rather dramatically this year. Um, we don't trust the institutions around us. A lot of others have have done a lot of research around that, so mm-hmm. that's good. But there's this there's this uh, nuance to it. We are looking for ways to wrest back some control over our lives. And that's what makes this fascinating. We are taking active steps. Some places we're able to, and some places we're not, and it frustrates us. So seeking control is a major undercurrent of this technologically immersed life. Now, because we're seeking control, we see this hunger for what we call raw. Mm-hmm. Um, we are no longer... Um, willing to trust what we're being spoon-fed, and therefore, the only thing we now trust is ourselves, our own eyes, our own ears, and increasingly our own judgment. We want the raw feed. We want to see the email dump. We may not want to read it all, but we want to know that it's there. We want the live stream, and that is critically important because we don't trust what's being presented to us increasingly. We want to see first-person video. We want to see what's actually happening out there. And again, I'm giving the sort of highlights and and sort of tentpole concepts here. But when we really embrace this idea of raw, it's this disintermediation, a more of an immediate sense um, of conveying the truth. Again, it comes back to if we're living in an age of collapsing trust, and that runs like a current through everything here. How do we regain trust in a technologically, you know, technological whiteout that's around us here? One of the ways we do that is this instant, immediate, disintermediated, I am talking to you, even if I'm using technology. It's harder for me to lie when there's no post-production. So, so is there, do you see that there's a little bit of a, a craving, you know, like the, you think about the computer or the machine that can make perfectly round holes every time, same size, you know, same yep. dimension, same distance apart. And do, is there like a craving for some handwork almost? I mean, is that, is that, or something of nostalgia, you know, to go back to how things were in some ways? I mean, is that, I, I think that, is that driving a, a little of this? Yeah, I think that there absolutely is. And you've touched upon, I think, a really important point when it comes to Raw. Um, yes, we want to see, I would say, uh, the unscripted, in-process element of Raw communication from brands. Mm-hmm. And we're okay with mistakes. It doesn't have to be per- Here we are. We're having a podcast, right? Yeah. And, you know, occasionally uh, uh, we're going to f- flub a beautifully produced line that we had in our heads. And that's okay. Increasingly, that's really what's attractive. Yeah. Because people, and again, I'm you know falling back on, on, on old, old studies in psychology and, and elsewhere. We want the flaws. Yeah. Because it reminds us that these people are human like us, and we make mistakes, and they make mistakes, and therefore they're one of us, and we're one yeah. of them. Four and I think it's an important part of this. Yes, handcrafted yeah. in this sense being uh, you know, the, the ability to see the truth, because why would we put a flaw in on purpose? So, so, so the kind of the theory that 4.6 star rating is far more believable than 5.6 
star yeah. rating, yeah. right? <laughs> that, yeah. that everybody knows we can't be perfect, that we aren't perfect. I want to that- see the CEO. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the, the CEO on camera. He doesn't have to be. <clears throat> and this is an interesting nuance. This is something that's changed over four years. When we started doing this, we were looking, we were asking the question, which would you prefer? A time of crisis, brand communicates to its customers. You have two choices. I want to see the CEO on camera, tie uh, pulled yeah. askew, flames leaping from behind him. <laughs> and, and the CEO says, listen, I don't have all the answers, but uh, we're working on it. Yeah. Versus... Give him a day and, you know, okay, I actually, I can actually tell you what's happened and what we've done so far and what has yet to go. And four years ago, people wanted the CEO in the moment of crisis. They wanted the absolute smoke rising, you know, chaos in that immediate moment. And what we've seen over the last four years is the balance has shifted. And now we see, um, it's it's still um, you know forty three fifty seven, but it used to be the other way around. Mm-hmm. So we 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 see this shift, and 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 you know why is this? Well, you know I I can guess um, we had a proliferation of a kind of high guys videos all over the social webs, yeah, you yeah. know people waving at you as you scroll past them on LinkedIn. We also elected a president who absolutely embodied this communication style. Mm-hmm. And while it was terribly fresh four years ago, it's okay now. We can calm down a little bit and maybe get our facts completely nailed down before we communicate it to the American people. Do we want to call it the Trump effect? We could. Somewhat subjective. But yes, I mean, I think, I think the flaws and the immediacy are very important to understanding the concept of raw and how brands need to use it. You know, what's interesting about that is that there probably still is an element of where too raw is exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's maybe, you know, whatever effect you want to call it. I think I think people are a little bit exhausted mm-hmm. um, from that. And, and there's probably a little bit of a swing back um, is what you're suggesting to to wanting authentic, but also wanting something that's that's understandable. <laughs> Something context. That's, yeah, there you go. Context. Okay. Yeah. I had I've had the chance to interview A and E Networks um, president of programming Rob Sharnow twice now, and it's interesting because the first time I interviewed him, he had just they were a couple of months into live PD, mm-hmm. and it was taken off like a rocket, and it was this brilliant new concept, and Rob talked about. Uh, the fact that he was really concerned that police forces wouldn't participate. And of course, when he actually began to ask police forces if they would, everyone said yes, because they wanted to show the American people what a day in life looked like. Mm -hmm. I interviewed him here for Unfiltered. And it was an interesting moment because we had a chance to sort of look back, you know, a couple of years ago, you said this, what do you think now? And what's the future of media? And the first word out of his mouth was context. It is exhausting. There is this fire hose of raw, disintermediated content flooding us, right? If Like so many fire hoses. <clears throat> and what we really need as consumers of all this is a layer of synthesis. 
So you look at Live PD. I know it's on hiatus right now, uh, but its uh, sister program, Live Rescue, is the same format. We've just shifted from police to, to first responders. And and what we have is this live feed coming into a expert audience, a studio studio of, of people who can explain what's happening. But we still see this immediate live feed coming in. So we still have the raw, but there's that little Greek chorus next to us whispering in our ear, telling us this is what we're seeing. And I think from a brand perspective, that is a huge eye-opening insight that we as stewards of brands need to get comfortable with this idea that we don't have to be the hero. As a matter of fact, our consumers, our customers don't want us to try to be the hero. They want us to be the Greek chorus. They, they don't want the, the zero-sum struggle here. They want someone to be there at their shoulder and say, let me let me show you, let me teach you what you're looking at here. Let me show you the evidence. Don't take my word for it. Please look at it yourself. I'm here to help you. And that shifts the power dynamic dramatically. It's a big insight. Yeah, they want Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's what they want. Yeah. They want the guide. Um, you know, today content is everything. So our websites are really content management systems, but they've got to work like one. Check out Zephyr. It is a modern cloud-based CMS system that's licensed only to agencies. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. It won't mess with your SEO. I mean, it really reduces the time and effort to to launch uh, your client's websites. Beautiful themes, just really fast, profitable way to go. They include an agency services to really kind of make them your plug and play dev shop. Check out Zephyr.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R CMS.com. Okay. So last topic, uh, scripted raw. Um, you know, one of the things that I think this craving for raw has done is it's produced reality TV, which everybody knows is not reality. Um, so, you know, how, you know, how does a band, uh, how does a brand straddle this, you know, raw, true raw, authentic raw Mm -hmm. perhaps. And this, this is the raw we want to show. Well, there's always going to be a role for production value mm-hmm. because we like it. We like stories. Yeah. It makes it simple. And, and all those things. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we love stories and it doesn't always have to be raw. You know, f- from my perspective, when I, when I look at this um, and, and I've spent a good amount of time with the, you know, the master storytellers of our culture, like Robert McKee. Mm-hmm. And others, and some of the newer ones. You know, I had a wonderful opportunity to interview Nina Mishkin, who was the former head of content for for Twitter. And I asked her, you know, my interview with Nina was very much along the lines of, "So, how do you? What's branded storytelling in 280 characters?" Mm-hmm. Where Robert McKee is talking about Oscar-winning movies and screenplays, and it was wonderful kind of bookends to this conversation. Um. And, and the wonderful example Nina gave me, to your point, to your question, was the way a, a, a good number of the smarter Hollywood studios are approaching this, which is creating that sense of raw, um, promoting a movie 
through five different storylines, each one of which geared towards a slightly different audience in different mediums. So one is geared towards theatrical release television that, that, that's going to be uh, uh, on your TV and gamed at the kids and the family. And another one's going to come through Twitter. And it's really kind of aimed at the parents. It's the, it's the, it's the sub-story. It's the subplot, the romantic interest. And all of these different stories are coming in through different doors and you know, different, different screens, really, in our sense. And as a result, it's this beautifully layered, nuanced way of communicating more than what we would typically get. So that's sort of the highly stylized, produced raw, if yeah. you will. It's well, it's, it's, actually, it's actually sort of the difference between narrative and story. Um, and the idea that, that you know, narrative takes a story and puts it in an order that makes has more impact, um, you know, that as opposed to just here's the story chronologically presented. Yeah, true enough. So, Stephen, thanks so much for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. Why don't you tell people where they can find out more about your work and your consulting work and unfiltered marketing? Well, you can buy unfiltered marketing wherever you buy your books. Um, I hope you find it a useful read. Um, certainly available on Amazon, Kindle, uh, uh, from our good friends at Porchlight. If you buy more than one copy, uh, you can certainly contact me through uh, dlstrategy.com. That's our website at Denny Lineberger Strategy. And uh, if you're interested, um, pay a visit. You can download the um, uh, key insights from the 2019-2020 study there, give you a little baseline. And uh, again, it's, it's all meant to help brands grasp this consumer mindset shift. Um, and, and hopefully this will be very impactful for your business. Thanks so much, uh, Stephen. Hopefully we'll run into you. It won't be 10 years uh, before the next time, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll run into you someday uh, when we all get back out there on the road again. I'll, I'll do my best. Good to talk to you, John. Thanks again. <laughs>